I had a very nice sermon written for you all about First Thessalonians. But yesterday, I was sitting in the cathedral of St. John the Divine, listening to what was honestly a very boring sermon. The, you know my pain. <laughs> but I was happy to be there because the Eucharist is my very favorite thing in the world. When I noticed that the phone that I had silenced uh, in my pocket just would not stop buzzing... Pulled it out for a glance, uh, saw a few missed calls and a text from Joanne O'Keefe saying, call me, it's important. Now I want to interrupt this story to take this opportunity to make a public service announcement about Amber. Please always call me or text me in an emergency. But if no one has died... For the health of my little heart, (laughs) maybe include P.S. No one has died. (laughs) If someone has died, that's okay. That's why I'm here. But if it happens to be a non-death emergency, I will probably live a little longer of an amber life. (laughs) If I am not running to the back of the cathedral that's longer than a football field, dreaming up the grisliest, most tragic scenarios in my head. (laughs) Well, the news wasn't good, and you all walked in today and saw it. Uh, Someone lost control of their vehicle, jumped the sidewalk and that giant bush, uh, and destroyed our brand new access ramp uh, before plowing into the front stoop. One of those freak things, as my mom always called them, except... The more I learned about it, the more clear it became that real tragedy had just barely been averted. The driver walked away from the scene. The car didn't hit anyone. Miraculous, really. Over a hundred people swarmed this place on Saturday mornings at that time for our breakfast and thrift shop. I watched from living room every day how often people trace that path to our blessing box. And the Veterans Day parade had just gone by, right? This car was literally the first following the parade and all those people. Everyone's alive. And then there's the church itself and the foundational damage a head-on collision could have done to this very fine but very old building. And even that was superficial. The loss of a cherished new ramp and a cracked brick stoop. The more I learned, the more my heart broke and brimmed with wonder uh, and gratitude. And when I have those feelings, I offer them to God, who is the author of all good gifts the, orig- the originator of all things which spark gra- the gratitude we feel in this world. And as I felt this, I heard another v- familiar voice in my mind saying, why were we protected this time? Why us? Maybe as you all considered what happened here, maybe some of you asked that question too. It's a natural thing to wonder If I'm thankful for God's presence and protection from harm, what possible conclusion can I draw from the times when that doesn't happen? 
from the violence that rends our worlds and news feeds and hearts all the time. What do I do with this sense of gratitude in the face of the worst images I've ever seen in my life coming out of the Middle East, the land where our Lord lived, thousands dead, the innocent slain alongside the guilty, the innocent slain rather than the guilty, mostly. As yesterday drew on, I realized that the Thessalonians would just have to wait. So I've told you that in the Jewish worldview, the story of creation is a story of chaos turned into order. That in the beginning, God cups God's hands amid the dark and watery void and pushes out, creating this space of order where life can flourish. Violence and disorder are sometimes caused from within that safe space by the unruly human beings who came to populate it. But sometimes it's as though that bubbling chaos held by God's hands leaks in through the boundaries of God's fingers. There are plenty of Christians who believe that God lets that in on purpose and for a reason. I'm not one of them. But what all Christians believe uniformly is in a crucified Messiah. We believe in a God who died as an innocent man. Therefore, we believe, yes, God is with us in our safety and protection, but God, we say, is particularly with us in the loss of that safety and in our suffering. When the innocent are struck down with violence, we claim that God is particularly there. Not acting in the way we want, which is the whole story of upended expectations in the life and death of Jesus, but still particularly there. And when you look at the suffering around you, or what you are experiencing yourself, we even claim that it is right to ask, where are you, God? Why did you leave? We claim that it is right to ask this because our Lord did in his suffering and in his death. So what? As my wife asked me as I was processing all of these thoughts yesterday with her. We have a God present in pain, a God we mostly can't see in our pain because we are blinded by everything but the pain, a God we can't see in the Middle East but we trust is there. So what? We believe in a crucified Messiah, and we also believe in a resurrected one. That on the other side of all pain, and all suffering, and all death, there awaits a resurrection. A bodily resurrection we proclaim every week, a metaphysical resurrection, a spiritual resurrection, all of it. 
When Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection looked one way for him, and it looked very different for every person he encountered after that point. But nothing will be left out. We believe that every private grief and every mass genocide will be borne by and answered in Christ, in whom all things are being brought to their completion. Resurrection is our final answer. It's what we believe, but it's far more than just belief. Resurrection is what we do. Amen.